0: Welcome to the Tarleton BSM podcast. Today we will be continuing our 402 series, To the Ends of the Earth. We hope you enjoy this message from Clayton Bullion. Um, So my name is Clayton. Um, I'm on staff with BSM, and so I get to work with the Tarleton BSM and some other campuses across the state, and I'm super stoked to get to be with you guys tonight. Um, If you're just joining us, we're jumping in the middle of a series um, over the book of Acts, To the Ends of the Earth. So Acts is one of the the Bibles in uh, not the Bible. It's one of the books in the Bible, and so it's got 28 chapters. And so we're actually going to kind of hit some of the highlights. So don't think we're going to do this series for 28 weeks. We want you to go for Thanksgiving, have Christmas break, okay? But last week Megan did a great job of kind of introducing Acts and talking about the commission that Jesus gives us as followers of Him, and then over the next 27 chapters. It's like game on, mission impossible, let's reach the ends of the earth. For you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And actually, we are still getting to live out that mission. Uh, Right now, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and right now, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you are Acts 29. We are the continuation of the mission Jesus started 2,000 years ago. So, Megan, kind of kick that off. Tonight, we're going to talk about kind of calling and who, who Jesus calls us to be and who Jesus calls us to, and then next week, we're going to, get to talk about um, just what does commissioning look like, and we kind of see some of the very first missionaries being sent out from the church, and then in two weeks, we get together to kind of practice some of that along with some of the shenanigans of Mustache will of Doom, okay? So, that's where we're headed, Okay. Now, before we do that, I've got a a confession that I need to make to you. Um, I grew up and I didn't like cream gravy. 402 is a judge-free zone. I'm grateful you have masks on, but some of you still have very disapproving eyebrows. I can see it. But I grew up and I didn't like cream gravy. I had a preconceived notion of cream gravy because it was just kind of white and lumpy and awkward, and there's no reason I'm ever smothering that on anything much less dipping my chicken strips in it because it just looked gross. I mean, let's think about it. Most of the food we eat kind of looks gross. Like pepperoni pizza looks gross. But anyway, that's another story. So there's this moment when I'm probably about 9 or 10, and um, we go to, to Dairy Queen, and my mom is like, Clayton, you can't, you can't say you hate it until you try it. You know, and you, we've all heard that a 1,000 times, and it's actually true. And so I tried Dairy Queen Cream Gravy, which you guys know is like one step above trash, right? <laughs> really, like there's only one form of brand of cream gravy that's a step below that, and that's Sonic's. Trust me, um, don't take, just take my word for it. But anyway, so I, I tried this gravy, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really good. But something in my mind went broke because I wouldn't eat anybody else's cream gravy <laughs> But dairy Queens. <laughs> and I got hooked on like the worst possible stuff for a very long time. I just want you to know that I've recovered. I've gone to therapy. I ate lots of different cream gravy. But it all boiled this stupid story of me growing up. Boiled down to I had this preconceived notion that I wasn't going to like that. I had this preconceived notion of what this was going to taste like. Um, have you ever been there? Is there a food that you're like, I'm just not going to try that because it smells bad? I'm not going to try that because that looks weird. You know, for those of you who have done cross-cultural missions, there's that moment where you're serving overseas in a different location and somebody cooks something up and serves it to you, and you're like, I don't know if I can identify this. And so you pray the missionary prayer. God, I'll put it down if you'll keep it down. But you have a preconceived notion. How many of you have had one of those about food? How many of you guys had one of those about your roommate the first day? You saw what they were putting on the wall. You're like, ah, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Turns out, some of you were wrong. Because you're here with your roommates. Some of you were right. (laughs) But some of you were wrong. You had preconceived notions. Here's the funny thing. This is what I've learned as a parent, okay? I had a preconceived notion of why my parents were always angry, and it's because they were just angry people. I didn't realize until I was a parent that it, Sometimes kids are dumb. And actually, I was the source of most of their anger. And I realize we're streaming that. If, kids, if you're watching this, I love you. I did not mean it that way in context. Um, but there's these moments. Many of you, Some of you guys had a preconceived notion about Tarleton because some of you guys are from very small towns around the area. And you're like, there's no way that I'm going to 13th grade at Tarleton with the rest of my graduating class that can't hack it and get somewhere else. And then you toured campus. And here you are. Adam, you can't say that. You are from England. That is not near, okay? <laughs> but there's this moment, you had these preconceived notions. How many of you have had a preconceived notion about God? This is what, who he is? This is what God thinks of me? Preconceived notion about these are the kind of people that love God and these are the people that don't love God? preconceived notion about these are the people that God loves, and these are the kind of people that God doesn't like. And sometimes we've kind of just taken in some of these notions and just kind of taken them as fact. And for a good portion of the book of Acts, kind of the first half of Acts, we see God stepping in over and over and breaking some preconceived notions that the first church had so, before we kind of jump into that, actually, let's, let's go ahead and just talk about We're going to be in Acts 10 tonight. So, if you've got your Bibles, flip them open, flip them on. Don't worry about it. If you don't have it, the words will be up on the screen. But kind of cruising into this, I want to kind of open up the big idea. And the big idea is simply this. God wants to change the world, and he wants to use you to do it. God wants to change the world, and he wants to use you to do it. You are plan A. There is no plan B. God's goal is to see that every person has access to the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, and a chance to accept his love and to have a relationship with him through the forgiveness of the sins. And God, his primary way to accomplish that mission is the people of God. God wants to change the world, and he wants to use you to do it. And the book of Acts proves this over and over and over again. Let me give you two stats about the book of Acts, all 28 chapters. 39 of the 40 miracles that show up in the book of Acts, people being raised from the dead, demons being cast out, people being healed, entire families coming to know Jesus, 39 of the 40 miracles recorded in the book of Acts happen outside of the gathering of Christians. 39 out of 40 miracles happen, not in this setting, but when you are living out your daily life somewhere else. The book of Acts teaches, up, it teaches us that it's not about when the church gathers, but it's when the church scatters that the kingdom of God breaks in. The Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts 52 times. 36 of those, which is the majority by good which is the majority by a good portion, the Holy Spirit shows up speaking through somebody to somebody. 36 of the 52 times the Holy Spirit shows up, he shows up speaking through somebody to somebody else. God wants to change the world, and his primary tool to do that is you. Not your neighbor, not your roommate, you. You. When Jesus sat down and said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He's talking to the people gathered there, but that the people who hear from the people gathered there and the people that heard from them. And so the gospel came to you on its way to someone else. Okay, so we're in Acts 10. So to catch you up, what goes on in the book of Acts? Acts 1, we talked about it last week. Jesus gives the commission. The Holy Spirit's going to come, get ready. He's going to light you on fire it's going to be amazing. He's going to give you power, and you're going to go from your hometown to the ends of the earth and everywhere in between. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. Amazing things happen. 3,000 people come to know Jesus in one day. The church blossoms from 120 to 3,000 in a couple hours. Okay, you thought freshman orientation was crazy? This was crazy. And all of a sudden, the very first megachurch is formed. First Baptist Church, Jerusalem. Boom. Acts 2. Or it, it could be First Methodist. I mean, just whatever. The First Church, Jerusalem, shows up. Here's this really interesting thing. In, in Acts 3 through 7, there's some really amazing miracles that happen. But it's all centered around Jerusalem. It's really this really interesting picture because Jesus says, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and the ends of the earth. And then he like lights a fire and the church blows up to 3,000 people and they don't go to the ends of the earth. They hang out in Jerusalem. They clump up. They say, this is a lot of fun. Let's keep meeting each other's homes. And there's some good things. People come to the Lord. There's some miracles that happen. But God in his sovereignty looks down and goes, this is not what I said. I said ends of the earth or bust. And so in Acts chapter 8, God intervenes. And persecution breaks out and the believers begin to scatter. And with that, in chapter 8, you see a guy named Philip. And Philip goes to Samaria, to the Jews that are in Samaria, and begins to share the gospel. There's this moment where Philip goes to an Ethiopian who's become a Jew, and he shares the gospel. But even in that They spread out from Jerusalem, but they're only talking to people who look and believe like them. That they have a common language with. Acts chapter 9, Saul comes to know Jesus in a very powerful, miraculous way. He was one of the chief persecutors of the church. And so Acts chapter 9, God begins to set the stage for the ends of the earth to hear and respond to the gospel, which is where we roll in on Acts 10. Now, if you're new to us, You're new to the Bible. Your Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament is, is God creating the world and working with this people called Israel. There's a lot of promises in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament through the person of Jesus. And the way the New Testament is broken up is you have these four Gospels or these four witness accounts of Jesus and who he is and what he does. His miracles, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins, his resurrection from the dead, And then Acts is the birth of the early church. So it's like the first 30 years of the church. And so we're going to drop in in the middle of Acts, which is some eyewitness accounts some recording some historical documents and saying these are the things that the church did. So we're going to do all of Acts 10 tonight. Buckle up. If you've never read a full chapter of Scripture, guess what? You can mark that off your bucket list tonight. Okay, so we're going to break this up in chunks, but we're going to go fast. So get ready. Here we go. Acts ten verse one, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel of the God who came to him and said, "Cornelius." Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, "What is it, Lord?" Can you imagine an angel speaks to you? Yeah, you would stare at him in fear too. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. God sees you, Cornelius. Now, send men to Joppa to bring a man named Simon who is called Peter. This is one of the really fun things about Scripture. He says, Go to find Simon, but just so you know, his friends call him Peter. This tells us something about God. Number one, God sees you. He sees you. Number two, he knows your name, the one your mama gave you, and he knows your name, the one your friends call you. God sees you. God knows you. So go find the one who's called Peter, for he's staying at Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Verse seven, so when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called to his two servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that happened, and he sent them to Joppa. Full stop. Cornelius, some context on this. Cornelius is not a Jesus follower. He's a man who loves God, but he doesn't know God. He's a fan of God, but he doesn't know God. Like for some of you guys who are diehard Dak Prescott fans, and you know all of his stats, and you're mourning and weeping and grieving about the cowgirl season, and you're just suffering but you don't know Dak. Okay? Cornelius knows a lot about God, but he doesn't know God face to face. God knows him, but he doesn't know God. But he wants to serve him and he wants to know them. And notice this, that God comes to him. God comes to him. God is a God who comes after people. John says, uh, Jesus says in John 20:21, 20, it says, "As the Father is sending me, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you." God comes in on a rescue mission. He wants to be known. God is coming to know people. He is not hiding in some heavenly labyrinth, waiting for us to navigate through all the the maze of life. And God willing, we get at the end and end up in heaven. No, God is coming to us. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which means that there are people all over the world who are seeking God just like Cornelius was then. They are seeking God right now. And they are begging God for someone to explain it to them. Acts 8, Philip rolls up on the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian's reading the Bible, has no idea what he's reading, and he says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? We're going to see this happen over and over through the book of Acts. There are people who God has prepared who are waiting for someone to explain it to them. God wants to change the world and he wants to use you. God wants to change the world and he wants to use you because there are people on our campus, there are people in your hometown, there are people in your res hall, there are people that you work with, there are people in your family There are people on the far side of the world that you don't even know and God is speaking to them and they need someone to go to them and explain it. He is preparing them to hear the good news about Jesus from your lips. Not your mama's lips, not your roommate's lips, not your pastor's lips, but from your lips lips from your mouth that you would bear witness, like it we read in Acts 1.8. Okay, verse 9, let's keep going. So it's about noon the following day. So God speaks to Cornelius. The following day about noon, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And the voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied, for I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Give you some context. Peter was a Jew who followed Jesus. And Jewish culture had a list of things you ate and a list of things you did need. eat. And if you ate the, the don't eat list, then you became ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. Spiritually dirty is what they said. Okay? So Peter is like, I don't want to eat those because I, I don't want to become dirty. That brings us to two lessons we need to learn about this. Number one, don't argue with God. Some of you are not writing this down. Don't argue with God. Think about it. Think about it. This is the first time you've ever lived today. You flip out over a social media post. Our whole nation is headed to hell in a handbasket over an election that only lasts four years. God created eternity. He walks in tomorrow and knows what's going on. Don't argue with him. If he says, eat something, just eat it. If he says, go somewhere, just go. Don't argue with God. If God says something, just do it. Don't argue over the details. Don't demand a resume from the Lord. Don't say, God, I need a five-year plan. Well, God, what's the business model for this financial decision? You told me to give 10%. Well, what's the plan? What's the return on my investment? Don't argue. Just do it. So many of us miss what God is doing in our lives because we're still up on the roof arguing with God about the details. God, I don't understand. I want to know more. What's the next step? Yeah, that's plan A, but what's plan D? Great, you want me to do that now, but if I do that, what happens in a year? What am I going to do after I graduate? If I do that now, God, what am I going to do? And God is saying, I'm not asking you to understand. I'm telling you to obey. I'm not asking for you to understand. I'm not asking you to sit next to me on the throne and dish out wise counsel. I don't need a co-ruler of the universe. The job's taken. I fill up the entire seat. The details are mine to deal with. The obedience is yours to walk in. So Peter wrestles with God. Verse 17. So while Peter is wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. So they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, this is the beautiful thing about God. Sometimes you're going to say, God, I don't get it. God, I I want more information. And let me tell you what an angry, vindictive God would do. He would thump you in the head, strike you with a bolt of lightning, and be done with you. Right? Rise and eat. But God, I don't want to be unclean. Game over. But notice notice what happens here. Peter questions God. Several times, apparently. And the Spirit still speaks to him. Guys, you may have blown it with the Lord, and he told you to do something, you're like, no, tell me more. And he's asked you again, you said, no, tell me more. But notice here that the Spirit still speaks to Peter. He said, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs and don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter went down, he obeys, and he said to the men, hey, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? So the men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Man, that's a heck of an introduction. So then Peter invited the men in the house to be his guests, and the next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers of Joppa went along. So they're all headed down the road. These guys from Cornelius, Peter, and the believers in Joppa. So the following day, he arrives in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Guys, Peter walks in, and there's a huge gathering. It's a house party. Definitely was not during Corona. And there's this moment as Peter enters the house. In verse 25, he says, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, and Peter said, Get up, stand up. I'm, I'm only a man myself. In 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Guys, sometimes the Lord's going to put you in situations where you feel uncomfortable. That's just, how this, that's just how the kingdom of God rolls. If you never do more than you think you can, you'll never be more than you are. And in this moment, Peter steps into a room full of people he doesn't know. And God put him there. He's uncomfortable. And notice what he says. 26. Uh, nope. 28. Then he said to them, uh, You're well aware that it's against the law for a Jew, me, to associate or visit a Gentile, a non Jewish person. This would make me, by me coming in this house, I just want you all to know, guys, this makes me unclean. What a cruddy way to introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, hi, unclean person. I just want you to know that I'm breaking some laws here. Be grateful. But, this is what he says, it's against the law, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure and clean. I should not have preconceived notions about who God loves and who God doesn't. I should not have preconceived notions of who God wants to speak to and who God doesn't. So when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. Can I ask, guys, why am I here? Verse 30. Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me I was afraid and this guy said to me, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor send to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter he's a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea so I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us So I sent for you immediately, and it was good that you came. Now, Peter, we are all here in the presence of the Lord, listening to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Guys, there's moments. There's going to be moments where the Lord sets the table for you to bear witness to how good he's been to you. And they're going to be beautiful moments. But those moments only come after you get off the roof. It's only after Peter gets off the roof and obeys that he begins to see God's plan. And it's bigger than what he thought. It's bigger than what he thought. Okay, I need to go talk Cornelius. What is it about? And all of a sudden, he walks into this situation, and Cornelius has said, not only has God spoke to me, and I'm ready. Tell me what I need to do. But also, I gathered all of my friends and family. And by the way, he's a very influential man, so there's lots of friends and family. And Peter looks at this, and simultaneously, he's having to wrestle With his biggest fear and his biggest dream. Biggest fear, Gentiles. This could make me unclean. Biggest fear, people who are different than me. What's going to happen? The biggest joy, I get to talk about my best friend Jesus to a bunch of people who are ready and want to know more about him. Guys, God's going to set the table for us, because the gospel came to us on its way to someone else, and God's going to do the the hard work and the legwork and set it up, but we got to get off the roof. We've got to trust him and obey first. So let's wrap this up. Verse 34. You still with me? Okay. Nobody said yes. I'm just going to assume that y'all are with me. So then Peter began to speak. Uh, Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts that every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. And then Peter begins to tell the story of Jesus. And you know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And we, Peter talking, pointing to his buddies from Joppa, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, and on the third day, and caused him to be seen he was not seen by all people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead he commanded us to preach to all people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge over the living and the dead and all the prophets testify it testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name peter opens his mouth and he shares what he knows and what he's experienced. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. That's his, you can insert your name right here. And he commanded Clayton to preach to the people and to testify. Guyler to preach to the people, all people testify. Renata, Megan. Frantically looking around, Karen, Joe, (laughs) Mark, Debbie commanded us to preach to the people to testify. This is where you show up in the Bible. Peter opens his mouth and he testifies. Verse 44 So while Peter is still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues, other languages, and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now, guys, let me ask you what's a better way to spend a weekend on a roof? Or being a part of an entire people that have never had exposure to the gospel, coming to faith. What's a better way to spend the weekend? What's a better way to spend your time? Getting enough sleep and being well fed? Or seeing the kingdom of God explode into a family that have never been exposed to it? If Peter would have sat on the roof and argued with God, you know what he'd talk about 10, 15 years later? Nothing. He wouldn't remember that weekend. Guys, every believer everywhere remembers this weekend. And may I put this out there also, we are sitting in this parking lot because of this weekend, because of the few days that Peter spent with them, because this is when the gospel came to the Gentiles, came to the non-Jews, And so unless you're here and you're Jewish, that means you. This is the moment where our people got grafted into the Bible. And we almost missed it because Peter wanted to argue with God. Three years before this moment, Peter was working on his life goals working as a fisherman, family business in his hometown, had everything he ever thought he wanted. Had a wife, probably working on some kids, the Galilean dream, the white picket fence. And there's a moment where Jesus walks by in Matthew 4, verse 19. He says, come follow me, Peter, and I will make you fish for men. I will make your life about seeing others meet me. Three years later, after following Jesus, he's a part of something bigger than anybody in the known world at this point could ever imagine. Seniors, some of you guys started walking with Jesus about three years ago. And he's been leading you to bigger callings and things that are stretching your faith more than you could ever have hoped for. And I'm really proud of y'all. Some of y'all experienced the stretching, being involved in mission trips. Some of you thought, there's no way I'm going to serve overseas. There's no way I'm going to spend a summer. There's no way I'm going to b You are not making me go to beech That's crazy. And God used it. Some of you are still on the roof arguing with God, and you're wondering why you're not growing in your Christian walk. You're on the roof arguing with God and you're wondering why God's not talking to you anymore. You're on the roof arguing with God and you're wondering where's the joy that the the Bible promised? Where's the power over sin that the Bible promised? Underclassmen? What do you want your life to look like? Sure, you, you could have your dream but I could tell you that God's dream for you is bigger than anything you can imagine. You say, well, prove it. Well, read the Bible. Everybody who encountered Jesus, God grew their dream bigger than they could ever imagine. And looking back, on the end of their days, they would look back and say, I am so glad I got out of the boat. I'm so glad I dropped the nets and followed Jesus. I'm so glad I left the tax booth and followed I'm so glad I left my lifestyle of adultery to follow Jesus. I am so glad I gave up this, 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 and this to follow Jesus. I think the invitation tonight is do you want to live a comfortable life on the roof? Or do you want to be a part of changing the world? Because God wants to change the world and He wants to use you. And there are people and there are families and there are whole pockets of our population that God has ordained for you to be the mouth that testifies and bears witness. Are we going to get off the roof? Are we going to be obedient? Or are we going to choose comfort? Are we going to choose our plan? Are we going to have a preconceived notion of, well, God, this is my plan, and this is the best plan? No, guys, it's not. Give up your small dreams. God's got bigger things in store. There are people that God is drawing to himself, and the one God is planning to use to share with them is you and you, and you, and you, and me. Are we going to be obedient, or are we going to stress over the details? Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.